Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, back with the man, myth, the legend, Mr. Greg Dickerson. How you doing, sir? Doing great, Michael. Good to see you. I need to apologize to everybody. I'm dealing with COVID, so my voice is kind of in and out, so bear with me. There you go. You're doing great. Thank you for being here. Uh, folks, before you ask, I did ask if he wanted to cancel this week. He said, no, I feel fine. So don't leave me any hate below. Of course I asked. I am a nice guy. <laughs> Sheesh. So Yeah, uh, I would have texted you yeah. otherwise. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Yeah, we, we, we've we been talking for, what, three years now, something? So, yeah, we, we're, we're good friends at this point. Hey, I want to talk about 2023. I actually now believe 2023 may go down is the worst at global economic year of my adult life, which is saying something, right? The Great Recession, the dot-com crash, 9-11. I think 2023 is going to be a global recession. I think we've had two uh, in the last 100 years. I think this will be the third. And instead of focusing on the negative, I want to flip the script because you and I have always said, and I know we both believe wealth is created in a recession. So I think there will be some amazing opportunities next year. And I wanted to ask you, where would you be looking, right? If there is a global recession, where would Greg Dickerson be kicking over rocks looking for opportunity? Yeah, there's a lot going on. And from a global standpoint, energy is a big problem, especially in Europe. And you know, it's all over the headlines there where businesses, the news and headlines are making choices of how they're going to stay open and you know if they're going to close half the day permanently. So it's at a point now in Europe where businesses actually cannot continue to operate with energy prices where they are uh, with the situation with uh, Russia and what they're doing you know, with energy and oil and things like that, the pipeline with gas. So as we get into the fall and winter, that's going to be a huge issue that's going to really, you know, create a little trickle down effect. Ripple, yeah. Ripple effect throughout the economy globally. And, you know, obviously we're a globally connect connected world still. So there's a lot of things out there that, that are creating problems for 2023 that everybody's kind of now starting to look at and realize, wait a minute, you know, this, this isn't just a, a COVID thing. This just isn't a temporary transitory thing. We've got big issues that could potentially be a problem and you need it because inflation is a problem everywhere. Europe here, Europe more so than here. I think they're a little bit, you know, behind the U.S. in terms of what's happening, um, or maybe we're behind them. I don't know. But either way, we're seeing inflation spike everywhere. Uh, that's not coming down anytime soon. So that's going to affect you know everything. You know, people are going to pull back on their spending. Um, costs are up, so things are going up, which you know people can can consume less. So that kind of just feeds on itself, right? Mm -hmm. um, so where are your opportunities going to be? Obviously. You know, uh, there'll be opportunities to come in and take over uh, companies and businesses that need, uh, you know, talent, need capital, you know, need things like that. There'll be a lot of there already are a lot of businesses closing and, uh, you know, continuing to close. So, you know, there'll be some locations that you can step into and take over easily. You know, real estate, obviously, in some areas, some types of assets are coming under pressure and there'll be opportunities to, you know, step into those and take those over. And then you have the markets, which are resetting and repricing mm -hmm. your big generational opportunities in the market are coming. Um, once we get through inflation, we get through recessionary, you know, where's it going? How deep, how long, how far, uh, you know, when the fed central banks around the world are done doing their thing, uh, there's going to be some real generational opportunities in the markets. We're not there yet, but, but it's coming. Yeah. A couple of things I want to talk about as a kind of real estate channel. Uh, we've talked about them kind of in passing. I think we mentioned it very quickly in the last video. Uh, one of the opportunities I think is out there, uh, again, selfishly, kind of micro, we're talking macro, global recession, but micro, Olivia and I, um, I think there's a good chance we buy the biggest building we've ever owned. And it's because of the lunacy in the bridge, short-term bridge, one-year IO, 
you know, bad assumption multifamily. I mean, uh, there it may be too soon, but I, you know, 2023, 2024, there are going to be some loans resetting, higher cap rates, higher rates, bad assumptions. Some people are going to have to get out. Is, is that an area that uh, is ripe for looking at, you think? Yeah, absolutely. And those are some deals where you can step in just with a balance sheet on those yeah. types of things and just kind of take them over and stabilize it. Uh, you know, you have to obviously get approved by the lender and things sure. like that, but there'll be deals you can walk into with no money and just kind of take them over. There'll be some sellers that you know, are going to want to get out of deals because as these things reverberate through the economy, tenants will be under pressure, uh, you know, with energy prices, with other inflationary concerns. So people are moving because rent's too high. People are stopping paying, and especially in other countries like China. I mean, you saw, yeah, the whole, saw that crazy. You know, mortgage boycott there. That resonates around the world, and you start to see other populations doing the same thing. So, And we saw rent boycotts during the pandemic where mm -hmm. certain properties, uh, tenants would get together and create a little you know, uh, mm -hmm. boycott within the property and stop paying yeah. rent at scale. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that creates opportunities. And like I said, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, capital that, you know, you need a little bit of capital to step in. Sometimes it's a balance sheet, sometimes just intellectual capital where you can walk in and just understand how to navigate this environment and be creative and, uh, you know, take things over and move forward from there. So yeah, a lot and of again, different opportunities. Yeah. And again, Olivia and I have done this before. Uh, we, we, we've worked directly with banks, taken over properties, um, we took over properties. We got reduced interest rates, uh, zero down. We did have to escrow some money, but again, we had to repair the building anyway, so it wasn't no harm, no foul. But yeah, I think I think those opportunities coming. I think I think they're going to be again. I, I'm trying to speak it into existence. I think Olivia and I will buy our biggest building in the next 24, 27, 28 months. Uh, that's one. Another yeah, area yeah. that I think is very interesting to think about is Airbnb. I think Airbnb had a very good two year run. I think it was taught as the easy button. Again, it's nothing I've ever done. So this is just all speculation. But I think there are some kind of Airbnb markets, second home markets, where prices got stupid. And I think Airbnb rates are going down. And I know Airbnb is being attacked, like San Diego's come after it, Honolulu's come after it, Atlanta's come after it. Um, so I think there may be some tertiary markets where people have uh, overpaid for Airbnbs that, Hey, if you ever wanted a second home, I think you're about to get a big discount. What do you think? In some areas, yeah, yeah like you said, areas. there's certain certain cities that are that are coming after those other areas that that's what it's been. That's all it's been. You know, mm -hmm. like where I started on, on the Outer Banks, we, we saw those prices get nuts, but it was all in relation to the interest rates, and we're seeing it start to correct now. Prices are changing, inventory starting to build, but it's still an area with high demand, which is and the stuff is still selling at stupid prices. Some of the stuff that I've seen, but. You know, it all depends on the market. There's still going to be a demand for that. People are going to take that vacation. What we've seen shift in that rental market is more last minute stuff. It used to be people would book well in advance, years in advance, months in advance, that kind of thing. Now people are waiting and booking last minute, shorter trips. Mm -hmm. So that's what's interesting. That's actually kind of helped the short-term rental market uh, because you can get a premium for shorter trips a lot of times mm -hmm. when people are booking last minute and there's more competition for it. So it's really all about the location, the type of property, things like that. But you know, where a lot of people are getting into trouble or got into trouble is with the whole Airbnb, what they call Airbnb arbitrage, where yes. you just lease, yeah. you know, master lease a property. Sublease, blah, yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, that's where people can get into trouble uh, with those types of deals. But uh, in terms of, you know, good properties and good areas with good ratings and things like that, they're still doing well. It's still strong. People are going to take their vacations, uh, especially in an inflationary environment. People will do less big trips and smaller, shorter trips, kind of spread them out. So, 
I don't think we reached saturation there. And again, mm -hmm. my my experience goes all the way back to you know 1997, and our yeah. market grew every single year. More people coming, rents going up. Even in you know the financial crisis, uh, you know 2009, people still took the vacation. Mm -hmm. We saw a 10% dip in rents for the first time ever in the history of the of that area. Uh, and it was really only the high-end stuff. People mm -hmm. moved back, traded back, traded down, sure. spent less. They brought stuff with them instead of buying stuff there. They didn't go out to eat. So the restaurants all took a hit. A lot of them went out of business and, and things like that. And that's when I made a foray back into the restaurants back then, started mm. taking over restaurants that were closed and you know doing that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's always going to be, you know, opportunities and things like that. But I don't think that market's taking a hit at scale. But there are some shitty cities that are going to try to shut them down. No, that's exactly right. It's it's very, again, I'm kind of looking at a macro picture. And again, I think there are some cities like the Outer Banks, mini markets in Florida that kind of welcome. It's like what the cities are built on. They're going to be fine. But it's just, I think some markets got a little over their skis and, and we'll see what happens. And then the last one you talked about, uh, you just mentioned, there's going to be tremendous opportunities to take over businesses. You talked about restaurants and doing that before. Uh, I think there's a lot of that coming down the pipe. Um, and again, as you've told us repeatedly, some of the best deals you've ever negotiated on seller financing weren't for real estate. It was for a business. And maybe the business had real estate, but um, some of those deals coming down the pipeline are, are, are going to be amazing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those, those that's some of the best times is, you know, during contractionary times, just because, you know, a lot of people just don't know how to navigate that environment and can't or don't want to. Uh, so, you know. Uh, some businesses, there's just no back-end buyer. The only way they can get a buyer for it is to owner finance. And that's kind of always the way it's always been. Real estate, you know, a, lot of, a lot of it's been the same way. I mean, there's some sellers that don't want to sell. They don't want to chuck money. They want long-term income. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day that just did a deal with a note that was, you know, uh, had, had built in no matter what happened with the property, you know, they wanted their payments. And it was over like a 30 or 40-year period of fixed payments. They're like, sure. look, you can sell this property, but we want payments. We don't ever want to be paid out. Yeah, don't, we're not being cashed out. Yeah. Yeah. So how do yeah. you do that? You say, well, hey, look, I've got this deal here where you can make payments for 30 years. I'll give it to you for a hundred grand. Right. You know, you so go. I transfer you the property, you pay me a hundred grand, you still make the payments. You know? There you go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I just had another right. Oh, the other thing that I think is going on right now, again, I, I have uh, some flippers that come on my channel. All of them to a T have done a couple of things. First, they've all started focusing below the median. I think I think flipping to FHA and VA buyers below the median will still work. I think the million dollar luxury flip HDTV flip is going to hurt a lot of people. Um, I think it's still safe below the median, but want to get your opinion. Yeah, again, it's still market specific. So there's going to be markets where you're going to be able to get what you can get because it just it is what it is. But generally, yeah, you see the high end take a hit first. Mm -hmm. And you see resort markets take a hit first. And obviously, like we've been talking about the builders, you know, they were the really the first ones, yeah. but you'll see the other ones right behind it. Just like the luxury goods market, yeah. you're seeing that take a hit, you know, you're going to start seeing fancy sport cars, you know, exotic cars for, yeah. for cheap Rolexes. Yeah. It's coming. You know, like, oh, it's already happening. You know, yeah. so people are already out there liquidating. So that's what happens in contractionary times and recessionary yeah. times. And same thing happened in 0809. Everybody was selling their Ferrari and Lambo and you know, Rolexes and yeah. You know, there's second homes and third homes and fourth homes. Yeah, that's what yeah. happens. So the last thing to talk about, uh, again, I've never done this, but again, I could see it coming. Uh, we now have strong dollar. I think the dollar gets stronger. The dollar actually, the euro is now at nine. It broke nine ninety nine cents. It was trading, you know, kind of one to one for a while. It now is ninety eight point something. So it's even getting the dollar stronger, euro weaker, which makes sense. 
But if you have an appetite to buy European real estate, or frankly, even European business, European assets. Or travel. Uh, or travel. Yeah, the travel. Absolutely. Uh, the dollar is going a long way. Uh, we actually have some friends coming in from Japan, which is obviously the other story. The Japan yen is really weak. It's like, God damn, this, this uh, currency is crazy. But yeah, if you have strong dollars and an appetite for foreign investment, I think there will be some very interesting deals done in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And we're already, I mean, you know, we're well above 2008 and 9 levels. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know, headed, headed back to that potential. A lot of people have a 120 target on the dollar. And I mean, it's at 109 right now. So it's going. Uh, as the dollar increases, you know, that puts pressure on risk assets and especially cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and gold and things like that. You know, the dollar really affects those. Yeah, I know you watch Bitcoin a lot. I haven't asked you this in a long time. Uh, do you think Bitcoin holds the nineteen twenty thousand, or do you think it's 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 got to, it's got to test sub ten? Just curious. Well, I don't know about ten right now. the The level I'm watching is at seventeen, you know, okay. that seventeen five that uh, was the recent low. Okay. As long as it holds that, it's going to continue to hold. But I think, given the environment right now, uh, if we get another strong inflation report and the Fed raises seventy five basis points, I think it's going to take its next leg down, which is about that fifteen and a half okay. mark. So I think that's next up that 14 and a half, 15 and a half right now. It's been take trading yeah. in that 18, nine to nine to 20, 21,000 range. Yeah. And it's held well so far, but I think, yeah. you know, pressure is getting to it. And I think it's going to uh, reach that next level in the 14 and a half to 16 and a half range and just kind of trading there for a while. But uh, there's a lot of technical confluence for that 10,000 level. You know, uh, I think there'll be a lot of interest if it drops down the next level of 14s to 15. So okay. it'll be tough for it to get there. But yeah. that if it does drop down to this next level, it could trigger some liquidations. It could take it down lower. So yeah. uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. Very cool. Well, uh, do me a favor. You have an amazing YouTube channel. You do focus on cryptocurrencies and a lot of other things that I don't. Where can people find you? Yeah, gregdickerson.com. That's where all my info is. Go check it out. Thank you very much.